This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Hello, and welcome back to the Org Health Advantage podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Felton, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, colleague, and great friend, Keith Adley. Keith, how are you? I'm doing great, James. Excited about today's topic that we're going to dive into. Yes. And uh, so we're going to dive into the life cycle of high-growth companies. Yeah, yeah. Why are you excited to dive into this? Well, we, you know, the last couple of years have been really good years and um, for companies in business. And we have had the honor and the privilege of working with a number of very high growth companies. And, um, and, it's, and they have unique issues and unique conversations they need to have. Some of that growth has slowed because of the economy, uh, but the dynamics and the choices that they need to make have not slowed. So um, I'm, I'm excited because we kind of, in our, in our prep for today, we talked about six different things they got to get right. Yeah. And I'm excited because I think there's always such a great energy in those companies, you know, like they're, you know, (laughs) and we've had, you know, we've had the chance to work with some of these companies where, you know, it was 10 million in revenue, 20 million in revenue. And then, you know, over time they've just exploded. And again, it was just like such a great energy and Almost every step of the way, they're like, we never thought we'd get to here, you know? And then we're with them six months later. It's like, we never thought we'd get to here. Or we're with them a quarter later. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. We never thought, you know? So just such, it's such a fun time to work with those companies. I think just for context, I mean, like, as I was thinking about some of the companies, it's like, we've, we've gotten some high growth companies recently in the construction industry, right? Some that were in software with data data analytics or data uh, management services. We had companies that are in clothing and in basics, like like t-shirts and sweatshirts. We've had companies that make consumable products for the home, such as rugs and chairs and wall art. What else, James? Grooming products and, and you know personal hygiene products. Yep. Um, so it's just been kind of all over the place. And again, that energy is really fun throughout and it's consistent throughout. It's like, you know, started by somebody who had a vision and, you know, we want to take it and grow it and grow it and grow it. And so, again, it's it's been a blast to see these companies evolve, uh, both financially and from like an org health perspective. Yeah. The other bit for context is some of these are, are venture capital funded. Um, a, a number of them we've worked with have been self-funded, which has been really interesting. Um, some of them are kind of beyond that initial growth phase into private equity. Uh, but what they have in common is tremendous potential in, ter- in front of them, um, a, a pretty big growth arc. And, uh, and it's, you know, the, the market is theirs for the taking if they're, if they're able to kind of push through these, these six big questions or these six big conversations or topics uh, that we end up talking about a lot. So maybe we should just dive in. Yeah, and and I I would add one more thing. A lot of times they've been uh, maybe leaders 
in companies, but not a founder, not a CEO before. And so the you know they also bring us in because they trust that that we can help them along the way. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good call out. I, we've often done that, which is a hey, show of hands in the room, whether it's with the exec team or the extended leadership team of you know maybe the next 20, 30 people. We'll say show of hands. How many of you are right now in the biggest role that you've ever been in? Like you're carrying more responsibility now than than ever before. And with the with these companies, it's been. 80 to 90% of these leaders are carrying a tremendous amount of responsibility, more than they've ever done. And so they're kind of out over their skis. They're excited, but they're scared. Keith, you've identified six important uh, topics and decisions that uh, these high growth companies need to make along the way. So why don't you share those with us? Yeah, yeah. Let's. I'll go through the list really quick and then we'll circle back to each one. So the, the, the first one is it, it's a conversation, it's a decision. Is like, is this company going to continue to be founder-led or at what point do we need to bring in a professional chief executive officer? And I would say most of the time we've been working with the founders who are in the role of CEO. Uh, and then um, uh, it, there's also a handful of them where we're working with the first professional CEO post-founder. So that's a big question. Second one is all about the team, right? Is the team surrounding that founder CEO capable of really supporting them as they have to make the big decisions and execute against those decisions? Do they treat this responsibility to be on the team as their number one, their first team? So So the leader, the team. Third is the talent. Uh, we get into these conversations about do we hire, do we have the right talent in place at the next level? Do we need to hire new people in above our current folks or below our current folks? The fourth is our go-to-market strategy, that, that magical triangle of our product, how it's being positioned and marketed in the marketplace and how it's being sold, that go-to-market strategy. The fifth is the focus there's so many things that need to get done, but these teams need to focus on the most important thing. And then the final one is the cadence. They need to establish the right kind of a cadence in which all of this magic can take place. So those are the six. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that decision around, you know, is the founder going to continue to lead the company or do they need to bring a CEO in? And, you know, clearly, uh, we, we referenced some clients that we've worked with over the last couple of years and, and we had founder led and we had CEO led. Where do you see like, boy, the, the founder can keep this going or maybe we need to bring in a CEO? Yeah. I, I think what, what, what the reality of this one is that it's the founder that had the original idea, right? It's the founder that first amassed some of their friends, their college roommates, some people right around them, some, their, their, close early believers that enabled their initial rise. Uh, it's the founder that- early funding. Yeah, right. They might be the friends and family, you know, uh, initial funding. Um, it's the founder that typically has the most passion and energy. It's the founder that feels like they've got the most at stake, their personal, you know, their identity, and they're, they're so invested into this. But there comes a magical- point in this high growth arc where the founder uh, needs to make a decision. Am I, am I the right person to actually be the, the CEO and to continue down this trajectory? So James, as you think about the role of the CEO, what, whether that's the founder or an outside professional, what, what, what kinds of things come to mind? What, what is it that makes being the CEO such a hard job and maybe even such a different job than being the founder? 
<laughs> yeah, well, it, it, I remember um, working with a client that was founder led, and I, we were probably in our third or fourth offsite, and uh, we took a break. And uh, we walked outside, I think it was around lunchtime, and we walked outside with the, the founder CEO, and he said, you know, I just had an epiphany. And we said, what was it? What is it? And he said, you know, I, I totally believe in this company. I totally believe in org health. I realized I'm not the person to lead either one of those. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so great. And so what he, what he realized was, like, he was passionate about the company. He was passionate about the idea of the company. But what he didn't really have passion for was, you know, around being the the manager of the team, the somebody who's going to like, you know, make sure that that he's leading this team and making sure they're focused on the right things. Uh, he didn't want to be the person to run great meetings. You know, he he was somebody who's all into relationships outside of the company, but less around what was needed inside the company. Yep. Um, you know, he was not somebody who wanted to have difficult conversations uh, around expectations and accountability. Yeah. You know, and so that for sure, that person could be a founder, but, but there is a, a difference between founding a company and leading a company and leading an executive team. And, um, yeah. and it's, it's not fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It can be, but it's not always. Yeah. I, I was thinking even of the conversation we had with Todd Douchy, who talked about, you know, coming from with up, up through the technical side of the business and the sudden realization yeah. that like, Hey, I'm the technical lead, but now I have to equally represent all the different functions around the table. And I was thinking about, you know, just even James, a couple of weeks ago, we were with the company and the founder was there. And he still is retaining the primary software development role. And we like, look, do you want to be CEO? Do you want to be chief of product? Do you want to be founder? Um, but we need to make a decision here whether you're going to be able to step up and really do the CEO role in addition to the software development, the head of product. We started with a client that was the, the, the we did an initial two-day offsite with a client that was the first um it was the it was the moment where the baton was being passed from the founder to the CEO who had just been hired from the outside, and it was it was great yeah. because in, in this, uh, the woman who started the company had out of her garage created a company that was now selling twenty million dollars worth of products, and it, it was beyond her wildest dream. Now, in the next couple of years, it went from twenty to two hundred to six hundred million. And I think it was a different skill set that the CEO was able to bring all the different functions together and really drive the business as a business person, maybe even with some objectivity and a little bit of healthy distance from some of the early decisions. So that that's a big decision. Like, hey, if you're if you're a founder, you're listening, you know, at what point do you need to find somebody that can that can take this and run with it? Um, because you're still going to be involved but maybe just not yeah. in that in that driver's seat as much. Absolutely. And that kind of leads us to the second point, which was the team and and the decisions and the behaviors of the team uh, and its ability to uh, make decisions and execute on those decisions. Right, right. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, ma- many of our conversations with, with high-growth companies start with, so tell me about the team. 
And the founder, in, in many cases, will say, well, like by executive team, what, what, what do you mean executive team? And we say, well, what, what do you mean by what do you mean by executive team? Like, is it not clear who your executive team is? And the reality is it's often not. And so CEOs of early stage, high growth companies need to assemble a group of functional leaders who, number one, represent their core values well. Like they could be a proxy for the leader. Number two, you know, they are strategic advisors to the CEO. Like they're going to help drive really good decision making. And number three is they're going to represent the executive team within the functions that they lead. Because with that high growth comes like this sudden need to do a lot of integrating between the different functions. And, uh, and we need to have a team that is going to be cohesive and aligned. And that doesn't happen naturally. Yeah. And my thought too, as we're talking about growth, is one of the challenges we see is uh, a team could have people who have gotten you to a certain phase. And Todd Douchy talked about this in a podcast, you know, a few podcasts ago. But you have people on the team who could take you to a certain place. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they can take you further than that. And that's going to be different for, for different people on the team. So, he was great at really like paying attention to, you know, who's helped us get us here, who's going to help us take us further, and when and where do we need to make some changes, if at all. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and so that's something. And you know, I think the companies that you and I have in mind have seen those different iterations uh, uh, along the way. You know, the people that we first met with weren't necessarily there in our last offsite with that team. Right. And those are those are difficult and emotional conversations, but they're so necessary. Um, and we worked with a lot of technology-driven companies, and often that's like an initial founder was maybe a real driver of technology alongside the founder, and now they're the head of product, but they're not the right person to be leading you know, the product function, which is different than being a great developer or a great product engineer, which kind of brings us to our to our next, our, you know, our next thing is talent, you know, and often it is right there in that executive team. Do we need to hire somebody above or somebody below? So, you know, what got us from zero to 10 million or from zero to 20 million is maybe not going to be the same people that got us from 20 million or that will get us from 20 million to, you know, a hundred million. Exactly. Exactly. Or it's like, we need to build some depth. We've got great people, but now they're not focused on what they're the highest and best use of their time and energy. And we need to build the bench below them. Yeah. You know, yeah. to allow the executives now to, to think higher, think, uh, you know, higher growth, um, at a higher level, uh, you know, and so, so it could be, boy, the, the lack of depth and talent below is keeping them from elevating or that they just are not going to help us get to that next phase. And and those are challenging for a leader to, to determine. Right. But for sure, it's important. A really simple thing, James, you and I have done a lot of this with our clients is we, we just have a very candid conversation with the executive teams, typically in an offsite, where we'll spend probably two hours doing a talent assessment. And and it's the the key is not to overthink it, but look at each person that reports to the executive team, uh, that depth chart, and just ask you know, kind of two questions like how how are they performing today, A, B, or C, 
and how what is their potential and it's not their potential necessary to get promoted because in smaller companies it's not always a huge promotion that somebody gets but what is their potential to take on additional responsibility to take on additional scale you know is the person that helped us figure it out our initial supply chain going to be the person that's going to craft a global supply chain issue that has redundancies across different geography, you know, global geographic markets is the person that helped us get our first plant up and running going to be the one that's going to be able to open up the plant in, in, in the UK, the plant in China, the plant in Guatemala, the plant in the East coast, the plant on the West coast, you know, these are the, these are the realities and and often we have to di- ha- help kind of navigate that painful conversation of saying, we love you. You've got equity. You might even have co-founder status, but we need to define a role for, me- for you that you can be successful in and then find a successor. And, and as we're talking about people um, and, you know, who can we, who, who's going to take us to that next level, we also need to be thinking about the product and the go-to-market strategy. Right, right, right. Man, we've had so much and fun. And that for sure changes. That changes <laughs> oh, as we, companies grow too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we talk a lot about clarity, right? The core purpose, yeah. you know, why do we exist? And our core values, you know, how do we behave? What kind of culture are we building? You know, that might be the, the DNA of the company. But man, the strategy right now, the go-to-market strategy, how are we going to, who's our target customer? Who's our ideal customer, ideal customer profile? What, what product features and benefits are good enough for now for us to launch? Uh, what's our product roadmap and how does that fit in with our ideal customers? And then are, are we clearly positioning our product in the marketplace? And, and is it adaptable to what we're learning from our early customers? So just the, the, the massive amount of work and thought and discussion and debate that goes into a go-to-market strategy um, is, you know, you, you, you assume we're on the same page and then you start to do the work and you realize we're not on the same page. And this is going to be, you know, multiple hours, maybe multiple days, multiple weeks to get this right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully going back to the team and it's, uh, it's behaviors, hopefully we have a, a, a foundation of trust where we can have that conflict in a really healthy way, be able to make a decision that everybody commits to. Yeah. Um, be- because, and especially with something like a go-to-market strategy, you want to make sure that everybody's fully committed to it and executing it so that if it's not working, you could rule out the fact that maybe people weren't fully committed. Totally, totally. And two two funny stories that you know we say that our 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 stories are stranger than fiction. But one is we was with the technology company, uh, wasn't with you, James. Is with one of our other colleagues, uh, Valdemar Cole, and uh, yeah. and the head of product, the head of revenue, and the head of marketing were just going back and forth with the CEO talking about it. Go to market, GDM, GTM. It was like you know we need to go to market strategy. Finally, we just said, okay, would somebody take a, a marker, walk up to this flip chart and just write down in bullet points an example of what a good go-to-market strategy would even look like here? And not only could that person not do it, but when they all tried to crowdsource it between the three of them, they couldn't even agree on what a go-to-market strategy would look like. Like, just give us a sample. If you could put it into a PowerPoint slide and send it to us. 
So they weren't even having the debate as to like what the strategy was. They were they were having a debate about what a strategy even is. And so it you know it would they were just locked up in a, in a completely fruitless debate. And so it, it it took some time and it took some changing of people, frankly, uh, on that team before they got anywhere close to something that looked like a true, you know, this is what we do. This is how we're positioned. This is who we target. This is how we're going to go to market. Yeah. And then, which brings us to our next point of focus. Yeah. Because what we often see, and this, this is a big companies too, but um, is this idea that focus sometimes means saying yes to everything. And it's like, wait, that's not focus if you're saying yes to everything. It really means what are we, what are we going to say no to in ter- so that we could really execute well on what's most important? Yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about kind of the, the, the you know, the, the swirl of activity. If, you know, and we'll say like, hey, look, if, if, if nothing changed, if we just kept doing what we're doing, you know, that would be status quo. And if there was yeah. one thing that were to change or that we could bring about some positive change in one area of the business, maybe it's something in, 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 in how you're positioned, maybe it's a product thing, maybe it's a talent thing, maybe it's a marketplace thing. But like, if we could make change in one area, what would be the one thing that would have the biggest impact on your future tra- trajectory? And it's amazing how often uh, that that is just not known and is not shared. And I think what we've seen in the last few years is when there's a crisis, yeah, teams have the ability to really focus and put aside some of that other stuff that it maybe gets in the way or other opportunities. It's like, no, we need to be singularly focused on this. And we saw that during COVID. But what happened after COVID was, oh, now there's all these things we could do. Yeah. So let's try to do them all. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have clients who would say like, they were so proud of their team, their team's focus and execution and really even accountability to it during COVID and then they would be equally disappointed that they couldn't do that after COVID. Totally. When it totally. wasn't crisis-based, it was opportunity-based. And it was, it was hard to get that alignment back because people are afraid to say no to things. Totally. And when, and when it's high growth and when there's tons of opportunity, you know, wh- there's no wrong answer to that question. Like, well, what, you know, if, you, if you're just to say, what are all the important things that we have to get done? Like there's, there's the executive sitting around that table. They're not going to have a wrong answer, but the problem is they just need to have the same answer as each other. And, you know, and, and that is so often uh, not the case. Uh, We, we have lots of clients that, you know, say, Hey, you know, what are you focused on? And they'll send us over, you know, a deck that has all their OKRs, which, you know, summarized would be about 10, 15, 20 different things, you know, then broken up into 85 different sub priorities. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's a lot of stuff. So of all that stuff, what's most important, what are you focused on? So I think it's easier maybe for a founder in the early, early, early stage when they're just launching an idea yeah. to be focused. Of course. Because they just got to get this app out or this software developed or they got to get version one of the product into hands of people. Like it's, or we have to get funding. Like that's our focus right now. And then suddenly they get some mild success and then some pretty good success. And then there's believers and there's customers and there's 
all kinds of moving parts. So focus, we need to be able to focus. And they have more resources. So it's like, oh, we should be able to do more. And uh, yeah, and now what we're doing is spreading our attention wider and wider and wider instead of being focused. And and so this brings us to our next point, which is cadence, because if we have that singular focus, the meeting cadence and the, how we get things done really comes really becomes more important. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you've got clear leadership with a great team, right, that has the right talent in place with a good strategy and a clear focus, then we need to figure out what is that cadence. And it's the cadence of our daily conversations, our weekly conversations, what shows up as like a monthly or, you know, an ad hoc kind of topical conversation. And then how do we keep focus on the right things? So James, we, we did a whole podcast on this a while ago, but, but may, you know, just, just walk us through what we would say is like the minimum of a cadence that a team needs to have. Yeah. Well, we really like those daily huddles because, um, you know, it only takes five to 10 minutes, but the amount of times you catch a drop ball before it hits the ground or the amount you can minimize surprises on a day-to-day basis is it it really helps on execution. Um, and so we, we love that daily huddle, uh, from there, the, the weekly tactical, it's super important to stay focused on what we've said and identified as most important right now and help prioritize that between just running the, the day-to-day business. Yep. We know that things are going to come out of that, that weekly tactical meeting that are going to take longer, that are more strategic, where we might need to collect some data. So we love having that ad hoc strategic, maybe even scheduled monthly as well. And so where we could dive into topics that are more strategic on a deeper level, come in a little bit more prepared for that conversation, having done a pre-read to educate us. Yep. Um, so when we enter the room, we're ready to debate and decide. And then lastly, we love the quarterly offsites to focus on the team's cohesion and alignment, both behaviorally and struct- uh, strategically. And that also allows us some time to look at the industry um, or look at the company holistically and, and find some areas that ne- we might need to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. What I love about that cadence is it's still so high energy focused, right? High energy yes. is like the name of the game with these growth companies. But man, a daily stand-up, a weekly tactical to focus on the most important thing. You know, there's probably a backlog of strategic topics that we got to hammer through. And then every quarter, we're not waiting, you know, around for the half year or the full year kickoff. It's every quarter we reset our sites. And so that really, I think, allows the team the resilience and the agility to kind of see their way through a chaotic uh, environment that they might find themselves in. So, yeah, it's about the founder. And the founder knowing when to become the CEO or to find the CEO, it's about the team. It's about the talent below the team. It's about the strategy. It's about the focus. And it's about the cadence. And look, I know there's a lot more that goes into running a high growth company. Uh, but man, if those if we get those six decisions or we have those six conversations, I, I, think, I think companies are in a, in a really good spot uh, to really maximize their potential. Awesome. That was great. All right. We wanted it to be under 30 minutes. We're right. We're coming up on that. So this is a great place to end. All right. Thanks for your time, Keith. High growth companies, energy. Thanks for your time. Talk soon. All right. Take care, James. Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. 
Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.